Is it gin? It's vodka. It's vodka. vodka. No, I feel like Crystal is more of a vodka girl to me. Bitter and it's like a bitter white lady drink. Same. <laughs> yeah. Vodka is yeah. my go-to. <laughs> Absolutely. It makes me feel rich, even though there's nothing rich about vodka. I don't know. <laughs> With my knockoff Smirnoff. I'm Davina and I'm Ricky and welcome to Fierce Slay Talk, a decamp podcast where we'll be catching up with some familiar faces from the drag world and beyond, whilst delving deeper into the obstacles life has thrown at them in the journey of becoming fabulous. So shall we begin? She is the swinging sister, the aerial high-flying queen of contemporary and cool drag, a seamstress designer and all-round fabulous femme fatale. Fuck diamonds, we've got Crystal. Hey! Hey! Welcome. What an intro. You forgot messy slut. (laughs) Oh, we didn't. We didn't forget. (laughs) We just didn't feel like we should put that in in case you sue us. You You don't want to... She is. Ve- she puts the lit and litigious. What can I say? <laughs> so, how are you doing? How are you? Uh, I'm gorgeous. I'm delighted to be talking to you guys, and um, I'm just seeing this as I'm pretending we're at the pub and we're having a chat, and I'm I'm gonna have a drink. This is like my an idea. escape from you know the living room, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But you have quite a nice space to live in. You, do, you know, yours is a, a decent space to live in. Absolutely. I've got no complaints. And like, as far as London living goes, um, yeah, I do very Ooh, well. But yeah, but but any space can start <laughs> to feel like a prison eventually, Davina. Absolutely. I mean, I I was very, very appreciative of you allowing me into your uh, living space. She let me stay in a spare bedroom. A spare bedroom Ooh, okay. as well. I know. <laughs> Honestly. Cur- a spare bedroom currently full to the brim of wigs is like, now if someone stays, they have to sleep on three wigs. <laughs> Which was what I was doing when I was at the flat anyway. So it was perfect <laughs> for me. I was like, this is like home. I love it. <laughs> perfect. Did you, give her a, did you give her a little review on the internet? Like yeah, a of course. A nice little Crystal's trip advisor. House. She got a two star. I mean... Oh, perfect. So did you pay it? Did did you pay in full, or was it like four in a bed? You were like, well, if you could have tidied the wigs up, you'd have had an extra tenner. Do you know what I mean? The the bread the next in the morning was not sourdough. She yeah, right. yeah docking a quarter star. <laughs> it wasn't That's a vegan it. friendly stay. I I mean I honestly there were harsh there but were, fair. Yeah, if you'd had if you'd had more milk. Uh, substitutes, you know, if they'd been a soya or an oat or even an almond option, then you would have got a higher rating. <laughs> I have since moved on to oat milk, so I love oat milk. M- yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's your work. There we go. There we go. You see, I'm just out here spreading the love, making the world a better place, one one person at a time. Spreading spreading something. <laughs> Now, talking about spreading the love, you've been all over the place, haven't you? You've lived here and there and all over the place. Primarily Canada. You started yourself out there. So what was it like growing? I've never been to Canada, okay? So that's kind of my first little thing. I don't know what Canada is actually like. So if you were like the tourist board, because is it Montreal where you were born? No. So I was oh. born in Newfoundland, which everyone in the UK calls oh. New, Newfoundland. New, Newfoundland, yeah. I know where that is, yeah. Um, so that's like an island kind of just plopped in the middle of the Atlantic. Okay. Um, that, And then we moved, when I was a baby, to Nova Scotia, which is also on the East Coast. Nova Scotia! I don't know why I wanted to do that, but I did. Very that. <laughs> Very that. A lot of standing on like windswept rocks, staring at the sea and, you know, screaming for a lost love. Just like that. I mean, that sounds great. Yeah. 
a lot of that. Um, and then I moved to Montreal when I was uh, about 20. So, and oh, then I lived okay. there before I moved to London. So okay. I've, I've lived a few places. So if you were going to describe uh, living in Canada, you know, you're the tourist board. So you're now the tourist board for Canada. How are you going to sell this to me? Well, it's really different depending on like where in the country you go. But um, where I'm from, Nova Scotia, I would say come for the natural beauty, stay for the casual xenophobia and racism. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like Yorkshire and Lancashire. Perfect. I mean, I'm not casting aspersions on Scotland, but like if visually, if you picture like Northern Scotland, like the coastal areas of Scotland, that's kind of what Nova Scotia looks like. Oh, wow. Stunning then. It is gorgeous. Stunning. So really green and beautiful like that. Yeah. Um, Used to be a huge fishery industry, but we, we fished all the fish and there used to be a coal industry, but obviously that's done. And now there's a logging industry. So soon there won't be any trees. And then I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's basically the same timeline as the UK, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like a couple hundred years behind. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, they get a lot, Canada gets a lot of stick, doesn't it, on US TV. One of my favourites has to be South Park, what they say about them. And then how to, um, not how to get away with murder, how I met your mother. They're always giving Robin loads of stick, aren't they? I've never watched How I Met Your Mother, but um, yeah, we are an easy, easy punching bag. <laughs> Which is, is fine. I think that means we're good people. Yeah, up for a joke, yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Definitely. And of course, Montreal now, uh, most recently um, on Netflix, is, seems to be popping up uh, with Catfish, doesn't it? When that first got put on there. Uh, not not Catfish. Um, don't fuck with the cats. Yeah, but I knew yeah. what you meant. Yeah, yeah. He, he did no there wasn't there actually wasn't any catfishing involved in that story was there but no but there was cats at the very beginning he was like being cruel to animals i mean i wonder if if classing yourself as like just a normal shag and actually you're a psychotic murderer is catfishing maybe that is catfishing yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, interestingly you said it was going to be a good time No, I said it was going to be exciting. How, how can it be a regular thing if it's if I'm dead? I said I would do things to you that you've never experienced before. Oh God, that's really fucking dark. I'm sorry. Oh, that was quite oh funny. Oh God! Yeah. But it was actually a very very serious show, though. Of course. Um, Canada. Have you guys watched Shit's Creek? Yes. No, yes, yes. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I know, really? I know. Oh, you need to get yourself onto that. Well, we've run out. Actually, we've run out of all the box sets that we've been watching. Is that what you call them these days? I mean, just series. Yeah. Anyway, we've run out of yeah. all of that stuff. So now, it's not a box set though, is it? Because I didn't buy a box. We just streamed it. Well, it's a web weird. series. Yeah, exactly, there we go. Yeah. A series. So we've run out of all of them now. So actually, Shit's Creek is perfect. We'll be on that tonight. It's, it's so cute. good. It's really yeah. cute, yeah. Um, but that's very Canada. That's a Canadian production, and I think it's me- maybe meant to be somewhere in America, but it's meant it... to be in America, yeah. But it's uh, it's made in Canada, isn't it? Yeah, oh. yeah, because they're Canadian, aren't they? The Levies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the whole cast. Yeah. Like I think basically everyone on that. Oh, show everyone is, is. Yeah, um, yeah. I would highly recommend Shit's Creek. That's for sure. But was your early life a creative one? Do you think you always knew when you were in Canada? And because I come from the middle of the countryside, so does um, Davina. Did you know sort of super early? that you were going to be creative or were you just kind of assumed that you were just going to follow following the family footsteps or something? That's kind of a loaded question in a way because I still don't <laughs> really see myself as a very creative person. I, I'm like, oh, really? which is funny because I think people, I know that other people do and I can, I can appreciate why they do. But what I would say is that I was a very imaginative kid. Um, I, and I really like looked for worlds and other ways to escape my like surroundings. So when I was between like the ages of five and 12, we lived in like a really rural setting. Like we had chickens, we had a horse, we had a barn. Like it was like dirt road unpaved. Like it was very, very, very rural. And um, so I would, I was obsessed with like comic books and video games and just anything like fantastical that could kind of take me out of that world. And okay. so I would just wander through the the woods, like picking up sticks and casting spells with them and all, all of that stuff. Um, 
So I think there was no hiding that I was a little fag, if, that, <laughs> if that's what you were asking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've got our little fag. He's growing up in Canada. He's casting his spells with his piece of wood in his hand. We've all been there. <laughs> and then, and then, and then at twenty, you decide. You know what? I'm going to move a fucking shit ton of miles across the world to live in London. What was that about? What was it that you know? What was the intention there of moving to London? Um, the it was a bit of a rash decision, to be honest. It was kind of um a why the fuck not. I was so I was living in Montreal at the time and uh I had just broken up with a boyfriend of three or four years and it was like Montreal is a big city but it's got a really small anglophone community like the English speaking community is very small and so then if you think about the gay English community in Montreal it's it's basically a small town um so we couldn't get away from each other and it was all just a bit like one of those dramatic early 20s breakups so um, I was like, oh, I got to get out of this. I got to get away from this. I got to get out. And my friend was moving to London and my mum is British. So I had a British passport and I just thought, oh, maybe I'll just go do that for a year and see what happens. Like, I'm young. Why not? Let's just see. And I thought I would be here for a year and that would be that. But here we still are. They can't get rid of me. <laughs> Would it be fair, before Drag Race, um, would it be fair to say you were best known for Mariah and Friends? I don't know if you could say I was known <laughs> at <laughs> all, but I, yeah, I, I produce a, a show called Mariah and Friends, which is like a queer drag burlesque circus show in East okay. London. And um, that's kind of how I got into doing drag is starting to produce shows. Because when I had lived in Montreal, I had done a few burlesque shows and I had produced a few and... I was really enjoying kind of being on stage, but also the the behind the scenes stuff of events production. And then I moved to London and I was kind of missed it. And I just thought, oh, well, maybe I could, maybe I could pick that back up. And yeah, so I started doing shows and I was studying aerial circus at the time. So it was really basically just a narcissistic vehicle of a way for me to get a chance to perform and like hang up, hang from the ceiling and stuff. Um, but then I was booking all these drag queens and um, I thought that looked amazing and I just wanted to give it a go. How does that come about, though, that you because so you've moved to the UK. Nobody really knows who you are. You're not really part of the scene as such. So how do you then sort of go to somebody and go, I have the best idea. I'm going to put a night on here. It's going to be amazing. Or drag queens, burlesque people, and and, and uh, it's going to be fabulous. And you need to let me do this in your space. How does, that, how does that come about? Well, I had been here for about five years before I, did a, before I did a show. So I had had like a real kind of, I'd had a chance to learn the city and like understand the scene a bit and make connections and make friends. But... So it wasn't like so much a gamble in that sense. And I, I had done a bit of DJing. So like, I probably fancied myself a little bit of a nightlife person. So I had like a bit of the way in on that stuff. Um, but also, I guess I was just probably, the people I was booking were probably also just starting out and knew and were happy to do it for a few quid and a promise. <laughs> um, I remember, I remember messaging someone for the very first show and just being super naive and messaging this burlesque artist who was apparently very well established. And I was like, do you want to come do my show? This is the guaranteed minimum fee, which is very, very, very low. It'll only take two, we'll only need you for two rehearsals and um, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was thinking of it as this like gorgeous collaborative thing, like with the Canadian naivety. And she was like, I don't get out of bed for less than this. And I would never come to two rehearsals. You're absolutely joking. Please contact a beginner. Like, what are you doing contacting me? I was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I can kind of see that. Um, so um, I definitely made mistakes, basically, is what I'm I saying. Mean, don't ask, don't get. Don't but, ask, Davina, you don't must get. get it. Yeah, you must get it all the time, yeah. too. Like baby queens asking you to 
come on their drag competition channels or do you want to come do this show it'll we're, we've got 50 quid and you know fair to them for asking i mean yeah. i'm not gonna reply <laughs> i mean i usually reply but i say oh i'm really sorry i'm terribly busy right now how about you contact xyz you know so i send them somebody else yeah, because, you know, everybody well, needs make a, a recommendation. Bit of a, yeah. a leg up, especially at the beginning. You need, like, some space. That, that's what it is, really, you know, because people like me and mm-hmm. Crystal, you know, now that we're established, we don't want you in our space because you might try and steal our fucking job. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you somebody who doesn't have any space yet. Um but very that but i'm probably going to decline um realistically but then you know sometimes i'm like do i think that that would be fun and interesting maybe i'll go on i'll have a go you know so some stuff i do do but m- much less now than i would have done before absolutely totally i think if if someone comes to me with like an interesting pitch or a really cool idea or something i've never seen before you know Absolutely, I might. I'll probably do that, or I'll do it for free. Especially now, where I've got nothing yeah. else going on, and it's better than you know sitting in the shower crying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like you might. Why not, right? Um, but I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, it is the drag competitions though. Constantly, like the online drag competitions. <clears throat> yeah, um, or do you wanna do you wanna come on my? Do you want to come on my podcast? We do reviews of Drag Race. I've got 13 listeners. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> uh, hon, <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay, hon. I'm so glad that you said that rather than me. <laughs> yeah, it is very that. That's quite a nice position to be in, isn't it? Creatively to be able to sort of like do bigger, bigger shows and smaller shows, depending on how you see fit. I suppose. Totally. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, it's not like there are big shows currently. So it's not like I'm. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I'm like holding myself out because there's big work and lots of money coming Something's in. It's more. On its way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's more just like it takes a lot of energy. And people don't. I think people don't necessarily understand that, that yeah. they're asking for a lot of your. A lot of you. And like. And getting ready as well. Yeah. Well, even that. But like, I'm I'm an introvert at heart. So like coming and doing something like I am fucking drained by the end of it mm, and yeah. so if I'm like do I want to give that to a stranger for nothing well maybe sometimes maybe I'm willing to sometimes but not but not all you know. time yeah <laughs> Davina's yeah. giving Ooh, me a little hey. shimmy in a way <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to give it to a stranger any day of the week <laughs> Yeah, it was quite like seeing sort of like really established actors do smaller independent film roles and stuff and be in a position where they can choose to do it because it's a really good story, not even if it doesn't carry that massive studio fee. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, for massive actors, let's just be clear about like the the hierarchy of payment in the, in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actors kind of get the most money, then yeah. it's musicians, then it's dancers. Is it not professional footballers in there somewhere as well? I mean, <laughs> I well, they're just like, yeah, yeah they don't even fucking they're not even close are they (laughs) and then you have drag queens down at the bottom so whereas an actor who's done loads of high profile stuff is going to be like okay I've got £600,000 in the bank from the last three months guess I'll take a risk (laughs) yeah 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 They are so brave for doing that. Yeah, so exactly. Oh my god! This one's Amazing. only going to put two of my children through college. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas for a drag queen, you know, it's very, very rare that you're in the position yeah. where you can go, okay, I can realistically just whatever happens, I can take these three months out and I can just do this project because I want to do mm-hmm. it. You know, it, it's not really a as much of a thing. There's still stuff that you can do, but That's there has it, to be. It? something coming in from it otherwise you can't feed yourself and people have this stupid false notion that if you get on drag race that you're financially set and it's like honey no yeah it's yeah. not the case at all no absolutely so- and i think there's i i want to i want to talk about this just for a second mm-hmm. there's been a lot of this this week particularly where people have been talking about you know you get on drag race and you've made it 
Like that's a thing, as if you've arrived and that's it. You don't need to, you don't have to put the work in or do anything ever again. And that is just so far from the truth that it is laughable. Because if anything, that the work gets more. You have to put more work in and, and everything just has to, you know, if you're a fucking, if you're hosting on a Friday night in a dark, dingy nightclub and you're being paid 50 quid, the expectation is not the same as once you've been on Drag Race and you're not being paid 50 quid. But also you have to be producing all the time in order to yeah. keep that which, interest Which there, is costly as well, isn't it? Totally. Mm. And I think I did have that kind of slightly, slightly, I think I slightly had that idea that it would just be a little bit smooth sailing after Drag Race. But it's like the opportunities that have come my way have been amazing. But like I have not got, there's, there's no world in which I am rich. No. Yeah. Um, um, I might be like, I might have a profile now, but that doesn't necessarily translate into money or anything like it's that. Not. And like, I th what was it? Trinity talking mm -hmm. about yeah. that this week, or like a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah. Um, people make, people assume that cause she won all stars and got a hundred thousand dollars that she's set for life now, but probably all she'd got was what? $60,000. And that was maybe enough for to help her put a down payment on a house. And so now yeah. she's got a, now she's got a house and a mortgage. Like, <laughs> and you you've also got to think like how much did it cost you to get there in the first place you know like how much did everybody spend just before you went on drag race on all of that stuff so then the, the money that you're making in those i mean we only had like what three months four months the money that you're making in that time is probably just servicing the debt that you've got yourself into paying for that anyway you know that. so i spoke to one of the all-stars queens at drag dragon uk last January and I won't say who it was, but yeah, they said that they spent um, tens of thousands of mm. dollars on their looks for All-Stars, so. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose how long's a piece of string with people's looks as well, isn't it? Um, on, so as for Drag Race itself, the experience for you, did that live up to your expectations while you were actually on the show? Oh my God, Ricky, that's such a big question. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we like to do. Just throw in that little bomb. God, I, you know, what are, what were my expectations? What were my expectations? Um, I think I was really, I'm saying it again. I was really naive about the whole experience. And I thought we were there to show who was the best drag queen and I totally forgot that we were there to actually make a reality TV show as well um, and so in some ways it was my ex I don't actually know what I don't think it was my expectations at all I think it was completely different to my expectations but how do you expect anything from that scenario like it's such a it's such a bonkers singular experience that so few people have had like how do you prepare for that yeah, yeah. There's no season. What there was no previous season for you to compare a UK competition to. You just had to base it on the US completely, didn't you? Totally. And I think I definitely went in with a US mentality to it all, um, unprepared for like the the things like the bag factor, where like the amount of <laughs> the amount that comedy can sell, uh, you know, a, a Brillo pad. Bagger's face is not like a Brillo pad. That's terribly <laughs> cruel. <laughs> but that's oh, just one it. like small element of it. It's 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 all of the things. It's like what it feels like to be under scrutiny all the time. What it feels like to be separated from your friends and family. What it feels to be like exhausted and then kind essentially poked by producers constantly to like be entertaining. And I've learned that like I don't do well under those kinds of pressured environments i i tend i tend to withdraw um it's my it's my nature to be more reserved in settings like that especially when there's a lot of big personalities around i don't i'm not the kind of person who's going to fight for the spotlight and that is kind of a very anti-drag mentality and when you get on a cast like drag race uk season one it's like if you're not going to fight for that spotlight then you are going to be so far back in the shadows that um and no one's going to help you pull out of it either because everyone's there to do the same thing. So, um, yeah, that was lots of answers to your question, Ricky. 
<laughs> no, no, that was perfect. I'm going to pinch the end of that question. Yeah. Did you live up to your expectations on Drag Race? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yes, and more so. Um, I was so proud of what I did. And, like, I can definitely look back at that person. It was it was only, it wasn't even two years ago that we mm. filmed it, was it? But no. um, I feel like that so much has changed since then. And I, I can look back at that person with, like, a lot of kindness because I really did have no idea what I was getting myself into. And I think I did pretty well considering all of that. Um, and like, there were lots of things that I did that I was really like not cut out for, um, and probably should have prepared for a little bit better, (laughs) but, um, and, and so, yeah, like getting through that stuff. Yeah. I'm I'm proud of myself. Amazing. What was your favorite moment or what would, what was the favorite thing that you either found out or your moment or, you know, what was it that you, the experience, what was your favorite part of that? Oh. This is the one that everybody always asks and I'm always like, eh, I don't know, I didn't really like it. I wouldn't, I don't really. <laughs> um, I, that first runway that was pretty special that very like we're all queued up behind we've got so much excitement no one's gone home yet so it doesn't really feel real yet no one really knows you haven't seen the runway except like what you can see kind of around the corner so you you don't know what you're gonna walk out onto and I mean that was just pure adrenaline and excitement that was like that was a crazy out-of-body experience and I was the first one out I think and, you were indeed the first one out, yeah. Yeah, and just like going around that corner and seeing those judges lined up and just like, what the fuck is my life? <laughs> like, that was that was cool. And you also looked fucking hot as toast in both of your looks. So the pearl, the pearly queen look was just so, it was so well thought out. And it, the movement and everything in it was really, really beautiful. It was a really great take on a pearly queen. And then the same with the queen look. It was like so hot, really super sexy, and but really beautifully made as well. That was the other thing with your, your stuff that I really appreciated was just how beautifully crafted everything was. Like it all looked really, really well put together, you know. A lot of other people's stuff was a bit rough around the edges. Maybe it wasn't <laughs> hemmed or, you know. But all of your stuff was really, really great. So we've got your favourite moment. Now what was your... What's the Whoa. opposite? What's the, the What was... I know. In this binary world that we don't live in, I, I, <laughs> I want to know what was the the moment that you didn't enjoy the most. And that can absolutely be anything. It can be... The, the experience that you took from it, the way that you reacted to something or, um, you know, an actual moment itself. Well, I think there's loads of stuff that I would have like done differently, but that's hindsight, isn't it? And mm. that's kind of pointless to dwell on too much. Um, I think the point that I felt the lowest, if we want to go there, was we finished Snatch Game and... I think they'd been filming for, they must've been filming quite a long time. But anyway, like basically as soon as they cut Snatch Game, the cameras stopped rolling. Do you remember this? And so we had to just in silence process what had just happened. There was no (laughs) chance for a debrief. You couldn't talk to anyone. And like you're on hard, like vocal lockdown when the cameras aren't running, you're not allowed to talk to each other. So um, they basically just, and because it was Snatch Game and we all had so much to say and they knew we had so much to say, they were extra, extra, extra on it. So we couldn't even do like our little sneaky whispers or hand signals or anything like that. And I knew that I had fucking bombed and I just needed, I needed to talk about it with someone. I needed to, I needed to tell someone I had bombed and, and like say it out loud and have them say, yeah, you did, but it's going to be okay. Like I just needed that moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's actually psychological torture not to let someone do that. Um, because the even if you talk to the runners, they won't they can't talk they can't say anything back to you about it. They can't they can't say don't like 
they can't give you anything real. All they can do is say they're there, basically. So uh, <laughs> I absolutely hated that. And I was just so angry because because I was angry at myself, but then and then I had someone I could be angry at, which was the production team, because I was like, just let me fucking talk about this. Turn the cameras back on if you need to. Like, let me just get this out of my system. Um, and then like the next time you actually are allowed to talk about it is the next day. Um, mm. You're back in the workroom and it's all like stale and produced again. And they're like, okay, great. Now let's have all of that genuine emotion. You're like, fuck you. Like, that was 18 hours ago. <laughs> yeah. I've dealt with that on my own. And now you want me to like fake it for you. It's just, I hate that artificialness of it. Um, and I'm probably saying way too much about the show and I'm going to get cancelled <laughs> by World of Wonder. It's all right. Don't worry. Oh, you're allowed. You're allowed now. After it's... everything I've said, I think you're fine. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was like, I hated that. I hated, hated, hated that. Um, but it's also just, I think the whole concept of reality TV, when you are a contestant in like a high pressure environment like that, you're basically treated, you're treated like a child. Sounds very stressful. Yeah. And some of the cast on our season were children. They're young, but like, I'm not a child. Mm. I am a, I am an adult and, um, I, I demand respect. And that's why I have the reputation of being the difficult one because I was not afraid to be like, where's the fucking full length mirror? And like, (laughs) why can't I have some sleep? Yeah, you were the one known as the difficult one then, but afterwards, that's probably me, isn't it? Because, well. Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Always the one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Bitching about the money, bitching about being in the space, bitching about people not being organized, bitching yep. about people <laughs> taking us for fucking joke. Like, well, they, yeah, and yeah. unless you unless you set a few boundaries like that, it um people can tend to think that you're still the contestant on the reality show, and it's yeah. important to remind them, no, no, no. Now I'm here because I want to be here, and because you're paying me, and um. Like there are some, there has you know, it just has to be some. You have to create the parameters in order for me to be able to do my job. That's all that I ever asked. That's it. That's that, very much it. And that if if we're going to all be in the same space, we should all have the same opportunity to do our job. So putting me in a fucking laundry cupboard without a mirror is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> It's just no good, is it? So from time to time, Crystal, um, people will complain about their edit. Um, so do you think what we saw was a fair representation of you? Yeah, in fact, if anything, I'd say it was more than fair. Because I think... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think they used the moments when I let my guard down in a really... in a good way um i think that i was very guarded and i probably didn't give production a lot of what they needed in order to make a great tv show because i wasn't thinking about it that way i was like Mm. no i'm my i i thought my job was to go onto the main stage and give them really good drag and to Mm -hmm. do my best the best that i could in the challenges however good that might be um and so whenever someone was like, but could you also talk about your childhood trauma while you're doing that? I was like, no, 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 no. I'm here to do drag. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, it is actually how it works as well. Okay, now you've only got 25 seconds to finish getting dressed. Can you also tell us about the cancer in your little toe? Yeah, or like they get someone else to and you're sat right next to them. You're like, fuck, I have to be really kind in this moment. But like, they don't want to be telling me this story and I don't really have time to be listening to this story. But I guess we'll both <laughs> we'll both just get through this situation somehow. This is it, isn't it? I could just imagine them sitting there writing notes like, rehab, you say? Interesting. <laughs> that is what they do. Is, is there a... Is there anybody from uh, our series that you feel, you know, because we were there. Is there anybody who you feel didn't get a fair uh, edit? Is there anybody who you felt got an edit that was not an accurate sort of depiction of who they actually are? 
Well, I think anyone's edit, you're getting a slice of them. So I think what you see is genuine. It's genuinely part of everyone that was there. But I, I, I think the problem comes in when people expect that to be the, the sum of you and not just a part of you. So, uh, but I don't think anyone was particularly like disingenuous or that their edit was really like different to how I think that they are. I just think that it's like a, a really small view of the whole. Yeah. I th- that's good. I think out of probably the entire franchise, ours was probably the the most honest in that respect. You know, that it, that is, for me, that was genuinely how people were in those moments at time. You know, there's, there's not too much of the old jiggery-pokery with the editing to put in a shady look or a rattlesnake sound. You know, it really, those really were the things that happened. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I wasn't there obviously for the big fight, but <laughs> the, the drama moments that I was there for, I thought were pretty, yeah, pretty well represented. Yeah, that's that's what I feel like. Now you'd said it would be a waste of time to think about, you know, what you would have changed. But I'm going to ask you anyway. I'm going <laughs> to ask you that anyway. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> so if there, if, <laughs> knowing now what you know now, if you had a time machine and you could go back and do it again, what what is the what is the things if there's more than one or the thing that you would change, you know, if you could go back, what was the thing that you learned from it that you've, you've taken now and you would, you would change how you would behave or it was. So if, if you could go back and change anything, what would you change? Yes. So, um, I think if I'm being completely honest with you, I would probably change everything. (laughs) Um, like I think that I've spent the last couple of years, getting better at (laughs) drag, getting better at makeup. My taste level has changed in terms of looks. So I'd probably do all of that differently. But um, I think like the the real answer and the thing that I think would make the biggest difference is I would just go in and have fun. And and like the way I'm the way I'm talking to you right now, I would just treat it that way. I would not put the pressure on myself to be something or deliver something that I thought people wanted I would just try I would actually just try and be myself um and hopefully like elbow my way in a little bit more in terms of in terms of getting into the conversations and getting in front of the cameras a bit and not taking the not taking the back seat because it was the easiest option um which is definitely what I did sometimes but um yeah just have fun and like people tell you that beforehand and the producers tell you that while you're there, just have fun. Don't worry about it. But like, you can't, you can't learn that lesson. Not worry, yeah. Yeah. You, you, the only way to learn that lesson is like yourself, I think. Um, and with time, because like the beauty of Drag Race is that afterwards you get to do so many more. I mean, Divina, you were seasoned at media stuff before Drag Race, so I'm sure you've you'd already learned a lot of these lessons. But like, I I got the opportunity to go on so many more like TV things or do interviews or go on podcasts. Like there's just constantly, you're constantly figuring out how to express yourself in a media format. And um, that is invaluable experience. Yeah, it really is. (laughs) While while we're thinking about the show, um, were there any judges decisions that you disagreed with? Probably loads. Like Jerry was, I mean, Someone had tranked her. (laughs) (laughs) She'd been having clonopin in her cocktail. I don't know what was what was going on there. And I felt like she had she did not realize that she was at a drag show, basically. Um, So that was weird. That was really surreal. Um, uh, What else? I mean, I feel like a lot of people got got passes and that was kind of frustrating, mm. um, especially when it's like a look challenge. And that happened again on UK season two. Like this, I'm all for yeah. personality counting shitloads because I think it is just as much a personality competition as it is anything else. 
But when the challenge is purely about the look, and I just don't think people should be let slide if their look is not good, even if they give a little wonk wonk on the on the main stage. Who and that is not are you speaking <laughs> about right now? Come I, on. I could I could literally name five people from our season that I think got a little bit of a pass. Um, so I don't I don't need to name names because basically <laughs> na you name one and it was probably them. Um, so that like that that always kind of frustrates me, but whatever, it's TV. Um, and like the judges have to say something. I don't know. I think like yeah. giving the judges a hard time is kind of pointless. Like. Yeah. The producers we need to take the pitchforks to. Well, I mean, there's yeah, absolutely. But there's also, you know, if you if you're watching Canada's drag race and Jeffrey got so much flack. But some of that was because you as a judge and a performer and an actor have not gone, what is my truth and how am I going to make myself part of this you know you followed too much what somebody else has told you to do and and that in and of itself reads badly so then it feels disingenuous and then people in, attack you for it and so if it comes across as disingenuous like you can't see that david bowie is in that pale blue suit and orange wig then people are going to say that's disingenuous this is bullshit you know we're not that stupid as an audience to not be able to see that happening. So I think as a, a judge, yes, you have to play the game, but you also have to have those moments where you're strong enough to say, no, I don't agree with this. This is not right. And I will not say that. Because this, it, if it was, you know, like, did you watch Slag Wars this year? Not yet. Okay. Oh my God. Slag Wars is a joy. It is so much fun. And the, the thing with that is, Though all those people know that this isn't going to change their life. This isn't this isn't going to enormously affect your career. You know, it's not X Factor or Britain's Got Talent or that thing where it can genuinely change the course of your life. So, you know, the judging decisions on there, do they really matter? No, because this isn't going to change the course of somebody's life. But actually, when you're on a show where it genuinely can change the course of somebody's life, you have a responsibility to that. And I think that that's sometimes I think that that is missing the bravery from some of those people to sit up and say, no, this is genuinely an important thing for this person's career and their life. So I am going to judge this fairly and I'm not going to spout some bullshit that I've been told to. <laughs> there are there are ways if you need, for example, Joe Black to be in the bottom, there are ways to do that without it being like a kind of nonsensical critique. You can just say it was an incredibly packed stage and everyone was incredible, but um, we didn't get Brighton Pavilion that much or like whatever, find find something because there is something if you need there to be. But like, yeah, it, grasping at straws about the Bowie thing like that, that makes it look bad. But I remember the producers God, we are really we are really going in on the production, aren't we? I remember the producers asking me, like our <laughs> first day of confessionals, being like, "So everyone got out of drag. Um, who did you think was hot and who was ugly?" I'm like, <gasps> "I'm not gonna say who I think's ugly. Like that's so rude. Imagine someone seeing that." Because I'm gonna be on a podcast with her later in the year. Yeah, exactly. Gonna I'm gonna have me to. About <laughs> I'm gonna have to look her straight in the eyes and explain myself. And tell her. Yeah. Anything I would have done differently. Yes, yes, there is. After you've finished the show, you've been really busy making things, popping up all over the place, taking all the gigs that I should have been doing. You've been there. I'm not bitter. Oh, really? I'm not bitter what at gigs, all. What gigs I have ask, I got? I didn't ask anybody to do a review show. No, that wasn't something that I'd already asked about. That's fine with me. What review, <laughs> what review show? What have I done? <laughs> so you were on Canada's Drag Race on the Psychic Hotline. And then you reviewed uh, Canada's Drag Race as well. Ah, uh, yes, I did. And, and, and then what was it like? to be back on a drag race set without the pressure of having to compete. Because you look, I mean, first off, 
You looked mm. perfection. You always do, but you looked perfection. Yeah, I mean, everybody else in the room was like, oh my God, it's Crystal. They're like, so, who the fuck is this bitch? <laughs> I haven't watched your show. Uh, so how is it? how was it for you to be back on that set without that pressure of being judged, actually being judged? It was so fun. Um, they let me like wander around backstage. I got to go behind the mirrors and watch them get ready. Um, there was someone being like, do you want some, do you want a coffee? Oh, let's go take some photos. Like just, just treating me like a human. It was really, really, really nice. Um, but it was funny too, because I filmed that, I think after it must've been, it was the week our finale was coming out. So it was like peak crazy mm. here in the UK. Um, but also like, hadn't really had a chance to digest any of this yet. Like I hadn't put any of the lessons that Drag Race teaches you into action. So in in lots of ways, I was like, I actually don't really feel quite ready to be going back and like mm. having a a butterfly moment because I haven't had my butterfly moment yet. I'm like still very much trapped somewhere in the chrysalis, like one one wing is sticking out, like I'm covered in guck. Like it's very, I felt very at that stage. So, but you know, you don't turn down an opportunity, do you? So um, it was really fun. Basically, it was really fun, but that set was that set was fucking cold. Um, it was so freezing. It was in <laughs> Northern Ontario and it was in a repurposed warehouse that just was not fit to be a TV studio. Really? And I was sat there Always at that table. Always freezing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I was sat at that table, like with the, the phone and everything. And I had blankets and hot water bottles on my lap. Well, they all had really big coats on all the time as well, didn't they? Like they would come off the runway and then they would be like, ooh, big coat on immediately or covered in a blanket or and like I thought because it was cold drag race is notoriously cold anyway the set on drag race is notoriously cold um it's like five degrees isn't it it is really cold so for somebody like me who is I feel the cold terribly it's hideous so I think I would have died if I'd gone to Canada's drag race and done well I think that's what you saw when Juicebox, if you remember episode one, had that panic attack because Ooh. what you were actually seeing was a really cold person oh wearing very little clothing, like being unable to kind of deal with it all. Like that was an additional pressure that sent her like over, over edge. that edge. Um, I, I heard a rumor, I don't know if it's true, that they had to reshoot scenes. Like, could you just say that again? I could see your breath in that shot. <laughs> well, turn the fucking heating on. Put 50p in the meter. <laughs> <laughs> Who put 50p mm. in the <laughs> I think it's Rue's preference, isn't it? Like, mm. Whereas I'm the other way. Give me yeah. too hot any day of the week and I can just put a bit more powder on. Oh, no. But, I'm too, like, I'd rather have too cold. I don't get a sweaty face. So, like, that doesn't, do. you know, I don't sweat anywhere around my wig or anywhere like that. <laughs> no, just it, I never have. Yes. <laughs> I'm just drinking. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Stage. Yeah. Like, I'm not injecting anymore. It's just drinking. <laughs> so, talking about getting a sweat on, what is all this group sex to business that you are apparently the host of? Tell us more. What is happening? Well, who knows what's happening? And is this allowed I... under Boris's new rules? <laughs> <laughs> You know, can we yeah. be having group sexed? I can just imagine Chris Whitty going, and no more under any circumstances. <laughs> but you, you cannot take photos of your knobbly bits and send them to anyone. It's not COVID secure. Pretty Patel will be sending you on a boat out the country. That'll be it. <laughs> what, like, like a cruise? I could use a cruise. <laughs> to Australia. Without any facilities. <laughs> um, okay, so Group Sext is a Canadian TV show that I am hosting. Okay. And it's 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 a little bit like Naked Attraction, I guess. But it is... Um, okay. It's all digital. So it's all about, like, meeting people through text. It's very... It's like the gay Naked Attraction, basically. How a gay would do it. So we've okay. got... We get okay. 10... We get 10 sexters and one master dater. And 
the master data has to eliminate people based on master um, data. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. has to eliminate people based on like cropped photos and like dirty messages and stuff, and basically a variety of rounds that kind of it's it's super ridiculous. It is so stupid, and it's really 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 funny. Um, so yeah, we've the pilot is out now. It I guess they wanted like fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Um, the pilot is out, and we are they've commissioned a season, so that's happening. We've shot, I think, like half the season now. Um, but uh, yeah, How and what's be really that fun. on? How can people it's, actually see it? So it's on Out Sounds TV, great. which is a which is like the Canadian logo. And they have just launched a streaming service in the UK called Fruit TV, which is, I think, maybe where you can see a certain someone's Christmas oh, special. Oh, we know Fruit TV. <laughs> you can. Indeed. My Christmas special is on there as well. So is is sexed on Fruit TV as well? And I have no idea how much they blur it out, but, like, those photos are explicit. <gasps> and there are a lot of... There are a lot of guys who have a lot of time on their hands at the moment who are more than happy to just <laughs> send a gaping asshole. <laughs> I just can't believe so many people have so little shame. It's really wonderful. It makes for great TV. Perfect. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been an absolute pleasure. A delight. It's been so nice. Thank you for giving me um, something to do other than playing video <laughs> games and drinking vodka. <laughs> oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And now I've got another podcast to go and catch up with. I've got yeah. another show with naked men on it, which is fabulous. Right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we better go, actually. We better go and do that right now. Well, we have come to the end of the episode. This has been Fierce Slay Talk. You can join us on our journey by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fierce Slate Talk. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us going on. We could talk for hours. And if you enjoyed the show, let your friends know. Go on, spread the word. Be sure to review the podcast as well. Till next time. You want it, you got it. I won't hold back. Come snatch it, come take it. All yours right off the rack. No wanting, no waiting. You shake me down, you touch it, you taste it. Come take me here and now. Try it and buy at the top of the stack. Bag it and snag it, no need to attack. Instant and present, hit go and play back. Right now, right now. Take it and tame it, walk me to the door. Have it and hold it, you only want more. Live it and love it, you've got it, it's yours. Right now, right now.